Welcome to episode 42 of Lil Muck, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. This is a tiny slice of the Muck podcast where we talk to people in the media and politics about their favorite stories or experiences. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hilary Doherty. Today we are interviewing artist, organizer, and social justice activist Fabiana Rodriguez of the Center for Cultural Power. Hillary, tell us about today's guest. Oh, great. So Fabiana Rodriguez embodies the perspective of a first-generation American Latinx artist with Afro-Peruvian roots. Her art and praxis address migration, economic inequality, gender justice, and climate change, boldly reshaping the myths, ideas, and cultural practices of the present while confronting the wounds of the past. Fabiana is regarded as one of the leading thinkers and personalities uniting art, culture, and social impact, collaborating deeply with social movements around the world. Fabiana also helps lead cultural strategy design and investment by helping to organize the phil- phil- philanthropic sector with a focus on foundations addressing gender justice, racial justice, climate, climate change, and cultural equity. Welcome to the podcast, Fabiana. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, well, we are yes. very excited to have you. Yes, so yes, yes. why don't you tell us how you got started in activism? Well, um, I grew up in Oakland, California, home of the Black Panther Party. Mm. Uh, and it was the era of the war on drugs. Uh, really, really tough time here in Oakland and really all across the country because so many communities of color like mine uh, were experiencing everything from police violence, the drugs in our communities, to the beginning of what we know today as mass incarceration. Mm. Uh, And so um, I had a tough childhood, um, and I would also get to see the murals around my community, the graffiti, the birth of hip-hop, and it taught me that, you know, despite all that is going around, um, despite all that's happening around us and the hardship that art and culture provide a way for people to be resilient, for people to celebrate. Uh, And so I became involved in the arts at a young age. And I also became involved in youth organizing when I was 15 years old. Um, It was 1994. And it was the year when California uh, was one of the biggest incarcerators in the country. Mm. Uh, A big anti-immigrant law had passed here. Proposition 187, three strikes here. Outlaw had passed here. I mean, it was just California was doing all the things um, that were, you know, hurtful for communities of color and would end up leading to very harsh policies. Mm -hmm. And so as a high school student, um, I became involved. I walked out my high school. And from there, I really learned the power both of um, organizing people and using art and culture to move hearts and minds. Uh, That is incredible. And can you tell us a little bit of how all of that informs your own storytelling and your own uh, path in the arts? Yeah, well, you know, um, uh, culture precedes politics. Uh, Before any policy can become law, people first have to imagine it and think it's possible. You know, I remember 1997 when Ellen DeGeneres came out on national television. Mm -hmm. And that was during... um, uh, uh, about a year after Clinton had passed the Defense of Marriage Act. Mm-hmm. And so I always noticed that politics would lag behind, um, whereas culture would move faster. You know, culture would introduce people to new ideas, whether it was introducing them to LGBTQ characters or today. You know, we see so many positive depictions of trans people in film and TV, and yet we have very anti-trans laws. Mm. And so I've always... Um, notice that uh, culture, the stories that we tell, especially the stories politicians tell, 
have the potential to galvanize people. Uh, and so uh, we as, as progressives also have to use the same tools, which is that we have to tell stories and help people understand the issues from their heart space, from their emotional space. Because um, trying to speak to people's rationale simply is not as effective, even though uh, that's what we might think. Neuroscience shows us that when human beings experience emotions, you know, when they hear like a song or they watch a, they, you know, see somebody come out about their Me Too story, or they he, they hear the compelling testimony, you know, of a young transgender kid. That's when, as human beings, we transform and we are more likely to take action. Uh, and so today, my work is about that: is about creating, um, building the culture whether it's around climate change or gender justice, but really building the public will and feeding the imagination so that we can have policies um, that lead us to a more equitable planet where we can thrive and, mm. you know, and we're not, we're, we're living in harmony with the planet. I mean, what incredible work. Yeah. Yes. I, I, like, come to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) We have a lot of, we need a lot of help. We need a lot of help in Florida. (laughs) So you work on designing cultural campaigns. What does that look like to do that kind of work? Yeah. It looks like working with artists and thinking about what, you know, what, what is missing? What stories do we have to talk about? Mm. Um, And so, for example, um, you know, currently I've, I've, I've been a climate change activist for over 10 years. And I know that, you know, if I go to an Earth Day march or if I want to, you know, uh, check in on an online Earth Day virtual event or anything related to, to climate change, it's often white people who are the spokespeople mm. or it's white people who are marching. And so um, I know that, you know, climate crisis actually disproportionately affects people of color. So yeah. why is it that we're not seeing the stories of people of color. I mean, I grew up in a polluted community uh, where I still live. um, And my community is so polluted because the neighbors just up two miles who are in a predominantly wealthy white neighborhood refuse to let trucks pass through their freeway. And so as a result, my freeway um, right next to me has, is is releasing all kinds of toxins and has been doing that since 1970. Uh, and so these stories need to come out, you know, these stories of what it means to have grown up in a community where a lot of kids had asthma when I was growing up. And that no matter how hard you clean, you see the remnants, you know, the soot that just uh, sits on your home. And so when we talk about climate change, you know, sure, it's great to talk about polar bears and rising water. But we actually need to talk about the stories that are happening in these communities where pollution exists where refineries are happening. Um, and we also have to show that uh, it's who, who's getting affected, right? And so if we look at television, for example, from 2016 to 2020, um, there was only only 3% of scripted shows uh, included any mentions of climate. And this is a recent study by the USC Annenberg uh, Center uh, and actually, Variety Magazine also did a big profile on the lack of climate narratives mm. in Hollywood, wow. right? And so what that tells us is that a cultural sector is not talking about something that is absolutely affecting us as human beings. Right. Why is that? Well, yeah. it's because the fossil fuel industry has too much influence in Hollywood. And so the, the kind of work that my organization does is we go work with artists. 
with Black, Latino, Indigenous artists, and we, we try to think about what interventions do we need to make sure that screenwriters are talking about climate. Wow, okay. um, and, and pretty soon, we're going to be releasing a, a climate storytelling book. Excuse me. We're going to be releasing a climate playbook to help TV writers understand this issue. But that's really what the work is, is like educating, you know, artists, screenwriters, musicians, giving them tools so that they, they're able to talk about these issues. I mean, it, it's incredible. We, we know um, a local um, elected here, uh, Nancy Mateo, who oh, is, uh, I was thinking about Nancy. yeah, That's she's so a, a great, so a uh, climate justice yeah. fighter. And, um, she talked to, to us about gentrification and especially yeah. like with us in Florida, that the communities that were sort of pushed to the West are now being pushed out of those spots because the East Ugh. is, yeah, you know, in trouble, flooding, the <laughs> flooding and all of that. So yeah. now we see these pockets of gentrification happening, um, as a result of that. And I found that, you know, just really interesting and not talked about a lot. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, really what, what, what the climate crisis is, is that um, some bodies suffer more than other bodies and whether that's, you know, black bodies, immigrant bodies, poor people, they suffer more. And, and same thing with animals and same thing with oceans and forests is that in the climate crisis, we allow for the exploitation and the abuse of certain bodies mm. for the benefit of others. Um, and that means, you know, climate migration is here. It's happening at a very local level too. People having to leave New Orleans, people leaving places where they can no longer farm. Um, and, and those are the kinds of things that we need to hear about more, whether it's, you know, through radio or through film, even music. You know, imagine if we had just pop culture songs that would encourage us to transition to a clean energy economy, yeah. right? That, that's the urgency that's needed, actually, because the IPCC has has indicated that we don't have a lot of time. We have um, about eight, less than eight years. So, you know, we, we have to move people. And the way to move people is through stories. And, we're, you know, we're seeing it right now, all the stories um, coming out of Ukraine, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. stories that, that move human beings. It's not facts or figures or data. Right. And so we have to be intentional, you know, as I'm looking at the news about Ukraine, um, I'm also keeping an eye out, okay, how are African migrants being treated in Ukraine? What are the stories that we're not lifting up? Mm. Right. And, and that's really the work of culture is to understand that what we present to people really, really shapes the way they think. And this is actually why, you know, the last administration um, was so dangerous. Right. Because when you start having, you know, seeding ideas that Muslim people are our enemy or that we have Mm. to put, you know, children and their families in these ice boxes, in, Mm. in, in cages, and that becomes normalized, that sets the tone for the policies that are going to follow. And so we, we have to make sure that not only are we, confronting and challenging harmful narratives, but that we're also creating counter narratives so that people, you know, that, 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 that they're able to understand the full humanity dealing with. So we've seen um, arts be, they're central to social issues of social justice. It's like just always there where an artist is mm-hmm. writing poetry or um, a sculpture or a painting. Why do you think that art has always been so central when it comes to social justice issues? Well, because it's, it's artists that are questioning the status quo, mm. right? It's artists who want to disrupt and make you think different. And I love an analogy that 
that I really love is that, you know, imagine that you're holding a picture frame, right? And the news gives you a certain frame, right? You're, you, you're looking at it through a square frame. And then an artist is going to come move that frame and is going to tell you, no, look at it through this frame and expand your frame and make it larger. And so it really is about perspective, right? Um, if, if I'm, um, if I'm constantly watching films that are directed for finance produced by men, mm. and I start asking myself, wow, there's a lot of sexual violence here. Why? Mm. Well, it might be that 96% of the teams behind these films were men. Um, what would it look like to have even half women? creating these narratives what would i see that would be different mm. this is this is actually why we, we need all perspectives we need the perspectives of um disabled people of immigrants of queer people you know of, of women of color of black women because we actually experience something different and it, it it is really around how we see how we interpret and what artists do is they give us that perspective but they do it in a way that speaks to our emotions, to our heart. A good mm. artist will, you know, you look at a work of art and you will be moved. You know, you look at even, you know, photographs, right? I mean, we, you know, we are in, in a, we're, we're entering a war era. You know, I've been, I've been really revisiting a lot of war imagery from the Vietnam War, um, thinking about the impact of photos of the Malay massacre, for example, yeah. right? Photos that changed entire public opinion in this country or even photos of people burning their draft cards um it it's it, it's the ability to capture that and to see it and to show it to the world that is fundamental and that's what artists do you know we've seen it over and over again the age quilt right mm, we, we've yes. seen the stories you know plays like the laramie project which taught us the story of matthew shepherd you know you see black panther the film just it's it's the potential of artists is so vast and great and creatives and artists are a very unorganized part um, of our social movements. And that's because, you know, since the 80s in this country, um, Reagan didn't like all these, you know, gay men making art. He was in refusal about AIDS mm. and he gutted the National Endowment for the Arts. Right. So as a result, here we are almost 40 years later in a country that simply doesn't respect value artists. Mm. And there's hardly any support for artists. The pandemic, you know, has devastated the artistic creative community. Uh, and so my role is not only to help artists participate in politics, but also to help people understand that, you know, artists and creative people are have a superpower that if we can help cultivate and help, you know, artists understand the political issues that we're dealing with and we support them, we will more rapidly arrive uh, to the kinds of policy wins that we want. Jeez. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I, I'm loving all of this. So is there anything uh, coming up that you want to share, uh, any future projects that you think are important that you would like our listeners to know about? Um, yeah. So uh, I, I would say one of the most urgent um, projects is the climate crisis. Uh, even, you know, in these times of war, we are hearing um, the gas and oil companies talk about, you know, this is why we have to, you know, making excuses and talking about why we have to increase 
the production of dirty energy mm. um, in this country or around this hemisphere. And on the contrary, that's absolutely not what we have to do. We actually have to transition very rapidly to clean energy infrastructure, right? Solar. Uh, and so um, it's really important that in the most powerful cultural industry in the world, which is Hollywood, right? Film and television coming out of this country influences the world. And uh, a project that we're involved with in partnership with Good Energy Project is called the Climate Storytelling Playbook. And what this is going to be is a tool for screenwriters to have the courage, the boldness, and the audacity to write about climate. Because one thing we realized in interviewing many screenwriters is that when people think of climate, they think doom and gloom. They get depressed. Mm. They get overwhelmed. And uh, as a result, we don't see climate stories. And that's absolutely counter what we need. We actually need the courage. We need to include climate in our setting, in our characters, in our plots. It is a part of the world we live in. And Hollywood is about creative stories of our human reality. And so it's time to do that. And I would encourage all your listeners to really think about um, how is climate, the urgency of the climate crisis being weaved into what you're watching um, on film and television, on streaming, um, and, 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 and get curious about it. You know, there's, there's even with the, the recent success of Don't Look Up, yeah, we are noticing <laughs> yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a, there's an appetite for it, but we're just getting started. And here we are, you know, at, at the brink of, um, you know, environmental global collapse. And we, we get our first film um, and, and that, and that, that did very well. Yes. So the, so the next few years, um, the Center for Cultural Power, my organization, is going to be uh, really going um, hard on this and, and inspiring the writers who are writing our favorite shows and our favorite movies to take a chance on this, you know, to, to incorporate it. Um, there's no right or wrong way to do it. We just have to do it. Oh my gosh. I mean, but even like I was thinking when you were talking about the screen, I was thinking about don't look up and how it even, I mean, they, I think it was like an asteroid or some meteor or something was coming right. down, but it was like, it was disguised to like tr- trick, trying to just give you a spoon, f- f- feed you a message through this yes. other thing. Right. But like, really, this is the other, this is what we're really trying to say. It's like, we have to trick, people to understanding how dangerous right. it is because they don't they still don't get it which yeah. is really and it's just insane I just was thinking of because you talked about uh migration and and I think about that all the time as someone living in Florida that right. that, that you know one day we may be climate refugees yeah and having right. stories about looking at certain states and what um a future would look like you know we have these zombie movies right. we have all these sort of apocalyptic but what right. would what would a, a, a sort of wake up scary kind of movie of of the world would that be of, yeah. of where are people migrating to? What would that look like? How would food shortages well, be? You yeah. know, there's so many things. Well, also that that, you know, in, in films like A Day After Tomorrow, we we or even Snowpiercer, there's a single hero. Mm. And that's not the, that's not the reality of climate crisis. There's not going to be a single hero. It's actually going to be collective solutions. Mm-hmm. And film and TV like actually show us what's possible. This is the power of art. Also, is that it it presents us with a future that isn't yet here, but that makes us think. I mean, even let's think about the power of Wakanda. Right? That mm. doesn't exist, but it created a place. It, it was just such a a a, a place of 
of pride and joy yeah. for black people all over the world. And that's, we, we, we need that for climate. And so we need to understand how do communities come together to solve this, to address it, to adapt. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it could be done through drama, sci-fi, all kinds, romance even, mm. but it, it just, it, it's a part of, it's here. It's, yeah. it, it's here. And to ignore it is actually not, especially as artists, when we know that we have the power to open people's minds, to ignore it is just not doing service to, you know, to, to our fellow human beings. Oh my gosh, you're so right. Well, I mean, we loved having you on the podcast today. We're going to make mm-hmm. sure we include all of your information. Where, yes. people, where can people contact or see the work that you're doing? Um, my uh, The website for my organization is called culturalpower.org. And you can also find us on Instagram and, and on Twitter, Facebook as Culture Strike. Um, and myself, Fabiana, uh, on Instagram, I am Fabiana1 with the number one. Fabiana is spelled F-A-V-I-A-N-N-A, Fabiana1. And, you know, I talk a lot about climate. I talk about gender justice. I talk about living in a world free of sexual violence. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, I'm a very intersectional artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the organization as well. We cover a lot of the powerful things that artists are doing whether it's racial justice or, or climate justice, but just really lifting up the power of arts and culture. Oh, incredible. This is like everything that. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> for we the love work this. That the work doing. is amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, incredible. Amazing. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Have Thank a good you. day. You too. Bye-bye. Right, bye. Bye. If you want to learn more about this week's guest, please follow the episode notes on our blog at the muckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast and on Twitter at Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.